You're listening to Creative Voices. This podcast is sponsored by and recorded on location at Tree Bark Store in White Cullen, County Galway. Hello and welcome to another episode of Creative Voices. Today I'm joined by another Shane, Shane O'Byrne, a beer brewer. Shane, perhaps you'd like to introduce yourself and tell the people a little bit about yourself. Hi Jeff, uh, my name is Shane O'Byrne. I'm head brewer with Soulwater Beer based in Galway in Ireland, in the west of Ireland. So I design and brew um, a range of craft beers. And you've been at this for a while, Shane, I believe? Yeah, I've been at it a good few years. I start, I started my brewing career in the UK. I guess I had what was might be deemed as a quarter-life crisis and left my previous, my previous professional employment and went off and studied to become a brewer. Uh, and then I worked in the UK in Bath, where I ran their um, craft beer brewery called Beard. And about three years ago, I came back to Ireland and started Soulwater Beer. And I suppose I'm familiar with the story because I was there in the very early days. But for those who aren't, why beer, Shane? Why beer? I guess it's because it tastes really nice. <laughs> uh, good reason to change your life. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Jeff, you were in the, there in the early days. We, we homebrewed together, I would say, about a decade ago. Uh, that was kind of my, my first... a decade my, ago now, actually, yeah. My very first beer I, I ever brewed was with you in, in, a, in a house not far from here I think actually yeah that's right a house just around the corner now that you mention it and uh, at what point do you think you, re- you had the realisation that it wasn't just something you were interested in doing but something that you might actually do as a profession uh, I, again it was about uh, probably seven seven years ago or so I always uh, having home brewed a little bit I always had it at the back of my mind and had a bit of an interest in it and then when I had reached a point in my career that I thought I was time for a change it seemed like an obvious thing to do. I actually, at the time, I had just read a blog post about a, a guy who had who was a head brewer in a in a in a brewery in Europe. He discussed how he had gone to university to study to be a brewer, and I thought that sounds like a really good idea, and it's a good way to get spend sp- spend a year, uh, learn all about it, and kind of maybe get ahead. So I did that, and then from there, opportunities opened up. Do you think did your background as an engineer in your previous life help in some regard? Or yeah, absolutely. It's I guess uh, beer brewing has got a few different aspects to it. It's got a nice blend of kind of art and science. So I guess from the engineering background I have, that helped the science aspect of it. It could be quite technical. There's a lot of um, yeah, technical aspects to making beer, but I guess there's also a, a, because beer is a, a drinks product. It's and it's something that people can enjoy. You can and it's. Uh, it must be changeable. That's kind of where the art aspect comes in. You can be very creative when you're making a beer, but then to execute that requires a certain amount of technical knowledge and discipline to execute that consistently. So that's a pretty good description because I suppose for the end user, it's, it's sort of an experience, but to get to that experience, you have to make sure you hit your your parameters really, don't you? That's right. It's a it, You're using a lot of natural ingredients, obviously malt, hops, and yeast, and you're combining those in different ways to create that final experience for the for the for the customer, and it has to be consistent for the customer. So if they enjoy your beer today and they want to drink the same thing tomorrow, it's important that it tastes the same tomorrow or next week, and that 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 requires consistency. So that's where the process of brewing comes in, where you have to kind of do it uh, the same every time to keep it consistent. And I suppose you've found too as well, since you've come back to Ireland a few years ago, the, this is a common theme we've talked about on a few other episodes, the Irish palate has expanded somewhat, hasn't it? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think it's across the board, not just in beer, but 
we're becoming um, Irish people I guess are willing to try more things and they've been exposed to more new and interesting flavours whether it's uh, coffee or beer or even our foods people are beginning to become more aware of what they're consuming and want a greater choice and are open to newer and more interesting flavours so craft beer has benefited from that general trend I think since you've come back and you, you've delved into that, like, have you found that there's a desire in a certain direction for products? Like, what's what works well for you, should we say? Well, I think in in from a beer point of view, uh, IPAs are biggest seller. I have a beer called Bulletproof IPA, um, a very hoppy, citrus forward beer. There, within craft beer, IPAs are the biggest trend globally, and Ireland's really no different there. We're finding um, stouts are going quite well as well, but I guess a lot of that might be down to the tourists trying that and and a certain amount of Irish people that want to just move away from Guinness and try something a bit different um, in that same realm. After that, it's it's we're, we're following international trends, so it's it's lots of hoppy beers, um, adding fruit to beers, things like that. Okay. Your own background, as you said previously, as an engineer, but... I know that say within your own family that there is quite an element of art, artistic among your your sister and your mom. Do you think did that help in any way to choose a career path that was not necessarily normal? Well, uh, that definitely, uh, yeah. It, it there was a lot of design and artistry in my house growing up, which was really good, and I was exposed to a lot of stuff like that. Uh, that's why I enjoy brewing because I get to be creative, I get to design the recipes, I get to you know use your own imagination and my own your own take on my, my own take on things and add that into a new beer and then execute that and see it so it's nice to be if you just had a job that, that you were doing the same thing every day in and day out and moving papers around or sending emails i could find that getting a bit boring i get to create new things and then i get to see people enjoy those creations a few weeks later and that's quite satisfying but yeah it's it's nice it was nice when you have that kind of creative background to be able to do a little bit of that I suppose there's a bit more support then within the family unit as well towards that kind of direction. Um, I know speaking to Shane Regan there previously on the last episode, he had also talked about the need to constantly educate himself within food. I presume that's something that has to happen within the beer world as well, especially as people become more educated, like refining your own palate. How do you find that? Yeah, you have to keep up to date with what's happening out there in the beer world. Um, so I would do a lot of tasting. I guess it's it's a really, it sounds really tough. I do a lot of tasting, <laughs> beer, beer tasting. Yes. Beer tasting. But we have to keep up to, I have to kind of keep up to see where the trends are going internationally and see what the, see what the world class brewers out there are doing and how they're making beer and what flavors they're, they're making. And just to, it keeps me up to date with their techniques and the flavors that they're trying to achieve and the styles that they're, that are becoming really popular. Uh, so then I can take that on board when I'm designing a new beer. And often you'll find that the trends in Ireland for beer, uh, follow international trends so for instance the New England style IPAs are, are have been popular for the last number of years in the States they've come to the UK they're here in Ireland uh, it kind of follows that trend it usually becomes popular in the States first followed by the UK and then Ireland follows soon up soon follow, soon after that and I suppose there's less of a need to kind of educate the end user these days as well people are a bit more perceptive and open to new experiences uh, yes they are yeah, yeah, but I guess it, it is still also a challenge to try and get them to actually. Sometimes it just take a little bit of encouragement to try something new. So that's always a challenge in the in the beer industry. And the other thing is that it's it's while the end user is willing to try new things, it's often they're not the person who my direct say they're not the person I sell to. We sell to bars and and off licenses. So 
it's oh, the game they have to change they have to change first and then the end user can change after that and once you actually kind of delved into the world of learning how to brew did your belief or notion of what it might be actually get disabused a bit or like is this what you thought it would be like or is it a very different experience from what you're thinking it might be that's a good question um it it is what I expected it to be, I guess, after, you know, after a while. It was quite different when you get into the, in working at it day in and day out. It's a bit like seeing behind the, the curtain. Uh, often, you, when you go into these things with a, an, with a slightly fanciful idea of, uh, what an industry is like, or what it's about, or what a job is like and about, and the reality can be quite different. It's, a lot more cleaning than you would expect to see to see on the outset. Brewing beer just involves an awful lot of cleaning. That's not something you're going to know about going into it too much, um, but that's the reality of it. Uh, it's also, you perhaps think going into it, oh, I really like all these styles of beers. It'd be great to make those types of beers. But the reality is you have to sell the beer. So if you're not making stuff that people enjoy and want, uh, that, that, and want to buy, there's not really much point making it at a commercial scale. Um, yeah, so it is quite di- it is quite different. A little bit quite different. It's not bad, though. Yeah. It's, it's very enjoyable. It's just as you learn more about an area or an industry, uh, your perceptions and how you view it change. You've kind of hit on a, a topic that's a common problem for artists and creatives there, which is the desire to go and do something then married with the reality of commercial aspects of it. The need to sell something can sometimes outstrip your desire to make something that may eventually actually just be for yourself, shall we say. Like, was there anything in particular that you thought would go well that just the end user just wasn't really interested in that maybe Ireland wasn't quite ready for yet? Or? Uh, I've, I've made a, f- I've made a couple of beers that, that I thought were really good, but it, ter- it turned out that the man, the market demand wasn't as big as we expected. The beers are really nice, but, there can, you know, there can be a number of factors there. It could just be the name of the beer or different things like that just didn't grab the attention of people. Uh, so you have to just move on from those and try something else. Make yeah. the, make the, ne- make the next great thing. Yeah. Actually, speaking of names of beers, to explain to people why Soul Water, I know it's called Solar Creative Project, I believe, is it? Yeah. Creative Beer Project. Why Soul Water? We spent a long time trying to come up with a, a good name that people could say, that people could spell. That's, <laughs> That sounded interesting. We had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of names, and they all got rejected until we got that one to that one. And that sounded okay and better than all the ones we rejected. So we went with that. That's a bit of a peek behind the curtain there as well, then, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> the reality of a committee deciding on a name. Yeah. And uh, is that you particularly you're working on at the moment that you find might be of interest? Yeah, I'm working. I have a new beer in the tank at the moment that I brewed last weekend. It's uh, a beer I'm making with uh, Chee Nocton's in Galway for their um, 150th anniversary this summer. It's a Mexican, the style is a Mexican lager. It's a really light, drinkable, a me- Mexican style lager. So that's a lager that's brewed with a lot of corn or maize. Okay. Um, very lightly hopped. It's going to be served with a lime. It's going to be real summertime drinking, so, so I'm looking forward to that. It turned out really nice on the brew day, um, so I'm looking forward to seeing that in, in a few weeks' time. Well, that's interesting because it seems then you've taken what's viewed as a very kind of standard commercial project and given it your own kind of take, is it? Yeah, well, I'd, I'd, if I was in the States last year for a little while and I saw there that 
craft versions of Mexican lagers were becoming quite popular. I tried a few of them and they were very, very good. They they were some of the best beers I had when I was out there. So I've been always been looking forward now to trying my own take on on one of those. For anyone who might be interested in getting into beer, like, do you think is that a good kind of entry level, you know, to transition them from what they might be familiar with in a more commercial and broad sense? Or what would you recommend they begin with? Yeah, well, if they just want to try beers, go to your local craft beer shop and buy, pick up lots of, lots of examples. There's lots of examples in most of the good off licenses, licenses or some supermarkets. Buy a few beers if you want to get into making it. There's a lot of homebrew shops, homebrew websites. It's not too expensive to get the to get all the, the ingredients in the kit. There's lots of information online and you can you can start making your own beer at home. That's the best way to go about it, really, if you're interested in it. And saying that, I, my memory of us brewing beer together was a lot of cleaning as well, now that I think about it. Like yeah, cleaning, I think cleaning you, did, you, and did, sterilizing. you did a lot of cleaning, Jeff. <laughs> I did do a lot of cleaning, Shane, I did. It's okay, you were the artist in the, in the relationship. And uh, maybe tell me a little bit about what you would see as the, the top end of the market, like the best stuff that's out there at the moment. Other than soul water. Obviously. Other than soul water, of course. For people who can't get soul water, James. People who can't get soul water. Well, uh, internationally, uh, Buxton makes some great beers. Always uh, Buxton Brewery, yeah. Yeah. Cloud Water in the UK are making a big stir at the moment as well. There's a big trend towards back towards the classics, and I think that's a good way to start too. What spurred on the whole craft beer movement over the last 30 years was a lot of classic beers, and people are returning to that now. So you can get a lot of good German lagers out there, a lot of good Belgian beer. These are kind of the the, the ones the, the, the types of beer that inspired a lot of the modern craft beer movement if you want to get into beer and you've only been drinking Guinness and Heineken and those kind of standard standard beers maybe start with some of the classics like your German or Belgian beers and then kind of find styles that you like and slowly move explore from there and you find as well and it's a kind of similar problem with other industries is that the success of the craft beer movement as you mentioned there has led the bigger players to try and subsume it in some way and even take on part of that identity in a very cynical way where some of them have released beers that their remit isn't really so much to make a different beers as to take back their market share. Oh, of course, that's happening right now. We're in the middle of the middle of that. It's happening globally and it's happening in Ireland. Just this week, I, you know, a lot of a, a lot of breweries are, are being sold to much bigger entities. Which is finest at the nature of how how uh, commercialism works, and there's big payouts for the owners, which is great. Uh, I do it that's myself. If I based around distribution problems, really, I would imagine, is it? Well, distribution and growth problems, and also, well, they just the money is very big for for people who started businesses within the last decade, so it's hard to refuse refuse the big big checkbooks that yeah. come out. Um, but yeah, the big players are moving in on it. Um, so Shane, um, as well as the beers that people might try to get into beers themselves, what would be your uh, go-to beer list? I seem to have a, a memory of yourself and one of our other friends traveling abroad for a particular beer in the past. Where would you be going? I asked Shane in the last episode, what would it be his big meal if he were to go anywhere? What would you do if you were to go and have any beer anywhere? Well, I think for me, I love going to Belgium for for beers. Just in every every town in Belgium has this, uh, such great selection of beer. All there's such a wide variety of beers all over Belgium. So if you're into your beers and you want to kind of a beer holiday, Belgium would be a good place to go. You're not going to go too far wrong from blondes to sour beers, spontaneously fermented beers, Flanders brown ales and red ales. It's just a great diverse selection there, kind of for everybody. 
I definitely think having seen like sour beers being made in Ireland means that we've definitely moved on to a point where people are interested in something beyond the norm. Yeah, I guess for listeners, I should mention what a sour beer is. It's a traditionally a beer is brewed using a just brewer's yeast or one a strain of brewer's yeast. It gives it makes a beer quite what we know as clean. Typically, you don't want to have any bacteria or wild yeast in a brewery. But when a sour beer is made, you introduce the brewer introduces uh, bacteria on purpose, and that gives the beer a, uh, a sour edge. It adds, adds some lactic acid and makes it sour, so it adds a whole other dimension to the beer. So it can, can make it can make a beer very refreshing because it now has a kind of acidity to it. Um, and they're very. If you haven't tried one, seek them out. Uh, very try, try them out. Yeah, it's a very interesting experience. I don't know if it's a beer you could drink a whole lot of. No, but for a, for a for a sunny sunny summer's day, it has a very it can have a very refreshing quality. Yeah, you're also quite heavily involved in the wine world as well. Is that correct? I'm getting into it a little bit. Yeah, I work with uh, Woodbury Wines in Galway, so we import a, a, about fifty or sixty wineries into Ireland. So I work with those guys as well. I suppose even there, you've probably seen a big shift in Irish palates there as well. Have you? Yeah, absolutely. People are people want to try lots of new things, and it's it's there's a lot more to the wine world than just Pinot Grigio, Sauvignon Blanc, and Merlot. People are willing to try and experience new wines and uh, different areas and different countries and stuff like that. Uh, they're also inclined to want to try better wine and alternative wines, which is which is really interesting. It's a really exciting time for for wine and for craft beer in Ireland. Because I saw that you were recently doing something very interesting, uh, Meet the Alternatives, was that what it was called? Yeah, for February we had a kind of a promotion where we had a, a Meet the Alternatives, so we selected a range of wines that we have and that would be like all, uh, alternatives or substitutes for some of the more popular styles. So for instance, we had a Schriebe from Germany, uh, it's, it's a kind of a, a sister grape variety to Savion Blanc, so if you were a Savion Blanc fan, fan we encourage you to try this and just it just got people out of their comfort zones a little bit and got them to try some new things. Yeah, because people can be quite resistant to change, not in a bad way, but I always found that even for us when we had the restaurant, it was like you, you put a lot of heart and soul into specials and people still want the same thing they had every week because, again, I think it comes back to that element of consistency and it knowing take, what to expect. It takes a little bit of encouragement for people just to try something different. Um, but it... it Often they're really excited to try it, and when they do try it, they're often pleasantly surprised. Yeah. And for anyone, again, looking to expand their horizons, and you talked about constantly educating yourself as well, is there any good exercises for like learning to determine different flavors from, from beers or wines or whatever it may be that you would... I think it's. I think it can be good to... Again, you read online about a lot of the off flavors and some of the flavors you're going to expect. You could, It takes a while to educate yourself about these things. If you read about the flavors and understand the kind of vocabulary around the flavors that you expect to find in a beer or a wine that helps you when you then taste that product you then have words to help you describe what the flavors are if you for instance uh, expect to find vanilla in it you have to know what vanilla is like yeah and then then go back and when you taste that wine you go oh yeah I get that I can get the vanilla now I can I can I can Maybe identify it, it and put a word around a word around it so anything that you have planned for the future anything in particular interest that people might want to well definitely look out for the unnamed yet Mexican lager over the summer in Nocton's yeah. uh, and keep an eye out for I'll, I produce a lot of seasonal beers so I'll have some I'll probably have another new beer out for the summertime 
and keep an eye out for my beers and bars around Goa. Yeah, Mary, very briefly, if you want to let people know whereabouts they could expect to find you. Yeah, well, you'll find my beers in a few bars, particularly in, in Goa City, in Nocton's, the Beer House, 1520, um, Bunch of Grapes, often in Caribou and those kind of places as well, Salt House, yeah. the typical kind of craft beer bars. Yeah. And uh, hands off, no limitations, Shane. What beer would you be making, regardless of commercial success? Well, probably my favourite beer is Orval. It's a Trappist beer that they re-ferment in the bottle with a little bit of Britannomyces yeast, which is a wild yeast, to give it a bit of funk. Yeah. That would be my favourite beer. Um, it has a certain quality that it changes over time, so I really like that about it. It can be quite a different beer when it's young versus when it's six months or two years old. Yeah. So if I could make that beer, that'd be pretty good. I think that's what some people don't realise is that beer can kind of age and develop as much as, as wine. Like That's probably something they're not... Absolutely. Sometimes positively, sometimes negatively, but there's definitely a lot of big beers out there or uh, wild and sour beers that can develop into very interesting flavours and quite pleasant flavours over time. And uh, any particular problems that you see in the industry going forward for yourselves, challenges to overcome? I think it's it's there's a lot, increased competition is always going to be there in the beer industry. It's, it's we're entering a challenging time in Ireland now for the craft beer industry. There's a few breweries that are closing down. That opens up opportunities for other ones. There's a lot of competition from the big players, as we mentioned earlier. There are big players entering the market with some craft beer brands, but it's just the nature of business and the nature of um, growing a business. These challenges are always going to be there. Yeah, it's true. Um, so if people want to find you online as well, learn a bit more about Be It Yourself or Soul Water. Yeah, you can follow us on all the usual social media channels, Instagram and Facebook and Twitter at Soul Water Beer and Woodbury Wines at Woodbury Wines at all those things as well. <laughs> okay, that's great. Uh, thanks very much to Shane for joining us today and we'll catch you on the next episode. So folks, that was a slightly shorter than usual episode of the podcast. We were under a little bit of time pressure when we were recording. Just wanted to take an opportunity to thank everyone who's been tuning in so far. Really appreciate the comments and feedback that you've given us. It's been uh, quite enjoyable and very interesting, very enlightening, getting to know some of these people a bit better and getting them to tell their story. I am very conscious of the fact that it has been quite male-centric so far. That's because all the interesting and wonderful women which I've lined up for this project are actually too busy making and doing and creating and out there doing stuff while the guys have been talking. But rest assured, I have a good number of them lined up over the coming number of weeks. Just recorded a really good episode with the local artist Tori Irvine. She was very insightful to talk to. Hoping to have that up next week. Anyone who is interested in what we're doing, I'd encourage you to reach out. This is a very open project. There's no standard definition of what constitutes creative in my mind. We're going to pull people from every sort of realm and every sort of craft, workspace, anything that you deem to be creative, we're open to talking to them about. Long-term basis, we would absolutely love to host a live event in our space, chatting with someone and getting some questions and feedback. I'm hoping once I get a bit more organized about these events going forward, that I'll be able to let you know who it is that we have coming up on a week-to-week basis, which will give you an opportunity to perhaps send me through some questions or stuff you might like us to talk about with the creatives or artists. We keep it a fairly free-flowing form. There's no standard setup. There's no 
chats beforehand we literally just have a talk and see what emerges from our conversations so with that being said we'll be posting it um, everywhere you can find it encourage your friends to listen i appreciate as much varied feedback as possible we're on itunes spotify soundcloud tune in there's even a web browser for it so there's no excuse to get away from it outside of that i'm also going to start a separate accounts for the podcast on instagram and a website and so forth so you'll be able to find all the content in one location uh, as i said feel free to reach out get in touch you can either email us on hello at treeparkstore.com or you can just send us a message through instagram or whatever your preferred channel of communication is and uh, maybe make me some suggestions about what we might change what we might do going forward or who we might even get on the show again thanks for tuning in and we will talk to you soon thanks for listening to creative voices this podcast is sponsored by Treebark store and produced by peter b photography for more information find us on instagram treebark.store or at p3b underscore photos you can visit our website treebarkstore.com or p3bphotography.com thanks again and catch you on the next episode